0: Greetings, hopefully you can hear me, and uh, this is all going well so far. Hi, um, I'm Keats Ross, I'm your host, this is the Prag Magic Podcast. I'm joined here with the lovely partner in crime, Mary, and uh, we've got our dog sleeping on the couch behind us. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, um, this is a long time coming, I've always wanted to do something combustible uh, with, uh, media and with content, as you know, um, it takes me a little bit to put together episodes, uh, because I'm a bit obsessive, and, uh, so it's really, really exciting to do this, my first live stream, so I want to thank everybody who's already here in the chat, uh, Una, the Alchemical Arts, got Derek Hunter, um, Oswald, guys, thank you so much, Baz, I really appreciate you all being here, this, uh, this means a lot to me. And, you know, without further ado, I guess I'll just kind of start by giving you a bit of background on me, Um, maybe where I come from, what my journey has been. And I guess that we should start in the uh, barrio of the Southwest, which is New Mexico and Arizona and predominantly Hispanic neighborhoods, lower income Hispanic neighborhoods. Um, It's there that I knew uh, Jecheceros, I knew um, a lot of brujas growing up. There were, uh, you know, street witches and magicians on the corner. But I'd split my time from the Southwest to uh, L.A., where my father was part of a compound that had Marilyn Ferguson, Robert Anton Wilson, Timothy Leary, like these supreme figureheads in a lot of the metaphysical community um, abound. So a very sharp contrast for me. Um, and you know, I didn't really appreciate or understand how pivotal these people were until a lot later in life. I, uh, went my own way through, uh, art pretty much, uh, rock and roll, punk rock, all of that kind of showed me this DIY aesthetic that led me to, uh, my always interest in metaphysics and of course, you know, chaos magic. Condensed Chaos. Disinfo, the Book of Lies was a predominantly big influence on me. I had everyone in it. I was a big comic fan growing up, so I had, you know, Alan Moore, um, Robert Anton Wilson. You got Alan Moore talking about Austin Osmond Spare, who would become a major influence on me, Grant Morrison, um, and Richard Metzger, who really uh put the book together and I was always a big fan of Richard Metzger. And it would be Until my 20s or late 20s where I actually got to write for Disinfo and I was a contributor to Disinfo.com. So I got to like, you know, manifest that. I hate to use that word, so excuse me. (laughs) But I got to realize um, that want and that influence and be around it. Um, I mentioned, you know, punk rock and, and rock and roll. And to me, magic has always been predominantly art. It's always been art based. It's always been the creative spirit, that gusto, that love of creating, of speaking to a higher self uh, through beautiful mediums. And I've been making music under the name Dakota Slim since I was 15. Um, and yeah, I've been mixing magic and art since I can remember. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. I thought today we just kind of keep it light, keep it fresh. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about my upcoming projects. I will converse with the chat and uh, we'll just see how it goes. But first of all, I wanted to thank Miss Mary June. She is, she's the, uh, I wouldn't say apple of my eye. That's like, I'm just here that's like a sperm thing. Yeah. She's the wine bearer.
1: And help field your questions. True
0: Aquarius over here, the wine bearer. Uh, it was her birthday yesterday, so wish her a happy birthday. Um, in any case, I thought we'd start with like talking about a little bit about we the hallowed. I think, you know, you've probably seen the symbol. You've probably, if you're in the orbit of me, it's been this real nebulous kind of creative kerfuffle, you know. And I think that maybe walking you through a little bit about what we the hallowed is as an art collective would be beneficial to everyone involved because at the end of the day i want people to be involved i want people to collaborate contribute and i want to share and the metaphysical musings of artists um so we the hallowed is an art collective we are we were based out of uh portland oregon i'm now in denver colorado but that's just the southwest kicking back in um we are a group of disparate artists, usually strict artists, um, writers, painters, um, musicians, illustrators, you know, a whole potpourri of different artists. And we all share in the common need and want to hit those trans-dimensional wayfaring type ways that artists tend to do. Catalog it, discuss it, be with each other, share with it. I think the biggest part of it though, is that we're all disparate artists. Um, it's really hard to find a through line aesthetically between us. Um, which I think is like, that's what we're trying to do. Um, I, we want to celebrate individuality, especially if it's as small as aestheticism because you know, um, everyone is their own kind of unique wizard at what they do. Um, but we started as a collective in Portland, Oregon. Uh, this podcast actually sprang from my live salons we would do at The Waypost in Portland, Oregon monthly. And so I'd chat and host, you know, uh, conversations with people while we'd have uh, tons of bands or live painting, live art happening. And it was a monthly thing. Actually, you can hear some of those first interviews the live ones uh, in the first three episodes of my podcast, which was with uh, Aaron Aquarian, um, Jimbo Kennedy and Montana Jordan, who, you know, is doing great things. All of them doing great things these days. But I think I'm going to take a breath, um, <laughs> maybe read a little bit of the comments, see what's going on in the comments. Uh, hey, Keats and Mary, this is Derek. Love you, Derek. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. Derek Thulu's here. Yay. She's the peas to my carrots. Yes, she is. And everyone says happy birthday to you. Yeah, she's a drummer now, too. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about... I know, stop me if I'm giving way too much information. Uh, I tend to do that. There's a lot going on in my head. But I thought... So Derek's in the chat. One of the biggest things for me this past year was the ability to write the forward to his wonderful work, which is Love, Chaos, and Theory and Practice. And um, I thought it'd be cool to kind of read that. You'd kind of get more of a feeling of where I come from and why magic and why, you know, um, I I don't want to say a cult. It's such a a thing. Uh, It's such like an armchair thing. Magic, you know, practicing magic has been such a positive and supplemental thing in my life. So... If you don't mind. <laughs> and this is the forward to Love, Chaos, and Theory and Practice from the beautiful Derek Hunter. He's in the chat. Please ask him all questions. To me, this, it doesn't get more prag magic than Love, Chaos or you know, just creating art. But seriously, this, this book is wonderful. Um. <clears throat> Quetzalcoatl came for me in 2012 and there's a part of me that believes she came for you too. Then, you know, sure, maybe without all the pizzazz and hoopla of the fire and brimstone off thought, but transformative to say the least, the serpent barked and we quivered. My father calls it wilderness years, being tempted by the devil in the desert, all a bit dramatic, sure, but we all have gradients of that experience. Mine was spent kicking drugs and punching ghosts in a dark place in a sunny space. Quizzicotl came for me in Phoenix, Arizona. You can't write this shit. But I did. Um, I was oh so dastardly unprepared for her madness. I had just pushed through the apathy and excess off found and found myself at the vapidity of withdrawal. Everything haunted me. And it was also very somatic, quixotic, numb, deliciously amphibian. I've spent every year since 2012 trying to calculate, distill, or glean how the fuck I made it out alive. When I look back at those times seven years ago, now eight or so, I see the world as a toddler. Learning to walk, the heavies dealt to bad manners, deciding I wanted to be better for those that still loved me. I was a baby on the brink of world's end, like a giant pickle-brained mutant learning the ropes of modern society for the first time. Guilt crystallized. It mutated into motivation. My pretentious allusion to the Mayan myth aside, there was an inner alchemy that went from red to white. Not overnight, but red to white. I started to hear through this bardo. Was this an ancient hum, the things that keep us buzzing and grinning, keeps working, keeps us loving? Anyone who has crossed the sticks of self-destruction knows that buoy all too well, swim back. Whether you heed that or tumble in the tundra, life has a funny way of slobbering on you. But how can I calculate what worked? What made me transcend the desert quite literally and figuratively? I'm not entirely sure. This is my great work. I'm not entirely sure what lifted me. However, there have been a few rivets in the bumpy road back. Big, bright ones that read acceptance, accountability, application, and ascendance. Possibly very much in that order. It's inherently incalculable, free from the confines of our self-importance, it's forgiveness, retroactively, and future-spent, it's love. Love Chaos, and this first iteration as an artistic, if not elusive, self-published book, came into my peer review during the early days of podcasting. I started the podcast PragMagic as a means to glean and document practices that inspire or enhance the creative process of life, attempting to mine revelations, so to speak, uh, attempting to discern the powers within and without the furies that somehow lifted me from that desert soil so many years ago. This is where Derek Hunter arrived, discussing love chaos on the Occult Personality Podcast. Never before had I heard a practitioner, a magic-minded artist, back up the constructs of their philosophies with such a selfless purpose. Occultists tend to be quite dour about the outer. (laughs) Um, Derek is not. Love chaos was a guiding principle in philosophy that he was inspired to construct from experiences within his own struggles, as well as his hallowed work with the Amity Foundation. He actively guides, rehabilitating the once crooked, and he won't ever admit that. Humble, humbled, and all too ready to lift others. These were the credentials of a good man. These were the merits of a phoenix. Derek is a blueprint of retribution and his own right via his own rights. And I'll just leave that there because there's more to it, but I think that really encapsulates... What magic is for me, what practicing magic is for me, I had to learn how to walk again. You know, I had to, uh, I had to, I had to feel the air for the first time, like I said, like a toddler. So um, what pulled me out of that was intention, was, was writing, was um, sigilism or sigilization. I always forget what you say uh, in that one. It was, it was magic and it was practicing. So here we are. Uh, Prag Magic has been just a joy of my life. I get to meet all of you guys, but I also get to glean and glisten from wonderful, wonderful, wonderful arbiters of magic, of art, of all above. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to give that background. I thought it'd be funny later, too, what set me on the Prag Magic journey uh, specifically. Was a ritual I did under the 2017 total eclipse in um, in Oregon, and uh, that set me on the path to where I am now. And we'll get into specifics later about that. But I think to me, it's it just it, it's swelling to feel and understand the power of this interconnectivity of this heavy fucking shit, you know. And uh, we're all here together on this little path, and it's it's pretty sweet. So, Mary, are Hi. there any comments? <laughs> <laughs> she's she's really helping out. I appreciate this. Uh,
1: just trying to break the tension here.
0: Yeah, I, I guess as I got a little serious. <laughs> I tend to do of that.
1: Things I don't understand. Right. And, uh...
0: Well, forgive me, I might inundate you with a lot of information. Um, I'm excited. This is exciting. I've never been kind of held accountable in real time when it comes to discussing this. So, if anyone has any questions, please uh, shoot them forward. Otherwise, I'll continue to dig my own grave reading my own shit. (laughs) Just kidding. Um. I'd also like to say like a lot of my practice too has to do with uh audiomancy, and by audiomancy, I mean quite simply sound sorcery um there are practices there are um you know there there are rituals that I use to kind of inspire and um unearth musical things, and a lot of that kind of started around that ritual i was I was talking about. And there was a dimming room that I had, which was like this small cupboard in my old house in Portland. And I set it up to where I blocked everything out. I kept a speaker in there and I would do these pretty deep meditative states where I would be anchored to the ground by strumming a guitar, by listening to tape loops and, you know, chanting it It sounds really goofy and it's probably horrifying to the neighbors honestly, but um it really uh unearthed a lot for me it uh that's probably the most psychedelic um tool that I've ever had It's the most preternatural um aspects that I've had with music, which are few and far in between, you know, and I want to uh make it known that. Uh, I mean I, I definitely mean prag magic. I mean magic that, you know, and essentially kind of recalibrates the self. It 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 helps one be better. It uh helps one connect more, to love more. And it sounds super corny saying it out loud, but it's um it's it's not saying that I don't have crazy um transdimensional wayfaring, you know, in in my uh yeah, peripheral or whatever, but it happens. And so um, I don't want to dispel uh, the preternatural because there is something to it. I do feel that there are, there is a collective unconscious or there is a neither-neither, as Austin Osman Spare would say. And I think swimming in that has shown me more than I could ever learn alone. I would also discover things that would be later- ratified um like uh i would i would see these beings that i would later find were like zoroastrian beasts or something and, and later i'm going way ahead of myself is there <laughs> 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 obviously a little excited um so also it asks are you keeping up with oregon politics shit's getting pretty wild you know um how do I put this? I want to be as collected as I can. Uh, I was. I was there. It was pretty prevalent. You couldn't shake it. I mean, the, the whole ground was shaking in Portland for different reasons, good and bad. Um, and I think my removal or my leaving it, um, it's still abundant, but I'm not as affected uh, you know, uh, internally by it because it's it's now removed. Uh, I live in Denver now, so the politics are are a little more grounded, I think. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I mean that it's not as uh how do I say this? It's not as uh extreme as it was in Portland. So no, uh I have not been keeping up Mary walked away, and then we all started asking questions.
1: Okay, I see
0: them now. Okay. <laughs> how wayward... Oh, here's a good one. Baz has, how wayward should a magician... Uh, How wayward should a magician be before she becomes bad-mannered? Okay, so this actually brings up a good thing. I was thinking about this today. Um, I think about it every day, and I think Derek does too, and a lot of people I've chatted with. Um, Mitch Horowitz calls it anarchic magic I think that there's something to that I think that it's a potpourri of recipes you're using But there's still reverence that's needed I still think you need kind of footing It's not like you want to just brashly take If you're going to mess with spirits You better fucking understand who you're dealing with, I guess Or even the psychological ramifications of dealing with such things It's heavy shit, and it can be But there's got to be reverence. So I believe in the wayward sense of like, maybe a masterless apprentice. um, Like a Ronin or something. But one that is still astute and is grounded in a lot of stuff that they're using. Does that make sense? Um, But yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Uh, Anarchic magic, as Mitch Horowitz calls it. Because, you know, he puts a name to it. It doesn't need a name, but... People are off t- to label. Shit, prag magic is my magic, right? Um, but yeah, there was always thing, and I think that's a lot of what people lose when they talk about chaos magic. I think it's kind of been torn asunder in the sense that, oh, you pick what you need for the right result. Um, but I think what's missing there is a big reverence to what you're picking. So you can be wayward, but... Grounded and, uh, you know, be a good house guest, I think would be the word. Um, Anything else? This one's fun. What's that?
1: Asking, do you have access to the Denver airport secrets?
0: Not yet. (laughs) I don't have access to the Denver airport secrets, although I'm very familiar with them. I kind of tote the line. I just don't think people are that creative sometimes. (laughs) When you get into the conspiracy stuff, which, you know, obviously I don't trust anybody. Conspiracy is like an oxymoron, right now, or a a redundancy. You know, I don't trust anybody. But I think when it comes to all the I love the folklore and the mythology of, you know, conspiracy. But at the end of the day, I just don't think dudes in suits are that fucking interesting. (laughs) You know?
1: <laughs> it's there. <laughs> unless it's you in a suit.
0: Right, unless it's me in a $3 suit.
1: <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: Anything else? Oh.
1: Ooh, lots of books. Okay, something about John Keats' favorite grow, po- poet
0: growing up was Mary. That's right, Mary Shelley? Yeah. Hi, yeah. Uh, John Keats's favorite poet, m- poet growing up was... Oh, Mary... Mary t- t- Ty. Okay, so there's there's a really funny synchronicity with Keats. <laughs> um, it's my mother's maiden name, which is my middle name. And the reason why I go by it is because the only time those two families ever created something was me. And never the tweens shall meet again. Like, I've never known them in the same room. So to me, going by Keats Ross is a very uh, scientific, almost like a Latin name for my species, if that makes sense. Uh, the funny thing about Keats, though, uh, as a hopeless romantic myself, uh, uh, admittedly a hopeless romantic, he's obviously been in my you know, purview for some time, but the funniest part is that his death day, the day he died, is actually my birthday. So, February 23rd, so... Take with that what you will. We were talking earlier about coincidences or synchronicities. It's a coining I guess.
1: Can we start a prog band called Prog Magic? Prog Magic, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's dope. I mean, God, talk about prog and magic, right? King Crimson, come on. You tell me those guys don't dabble in shit? They dabble in shit. So, it would be pretty on the nose, but I'd love to do it if I could play that well. Um, Let's see. Una saw Keats' house in Rome and in London. Dude, he lived well. I mean, he died at like 24. dude's having two houses in two foreign countries. Don't let anyone tell you writing doesn't get you anything. Um, Yes, Fripp, Baz. Who's on it. Yeah. I mean, that whole Bowie low period with Fripp, right? It's transcendental. I think, okay, so this is a good point. Um, It's not like uh, being, uh, how do I put this, like revolutionary in thinking that the occult and art, you know, don't mix. I think it's it's pretty obvious, right? Um, That said, I love to retroactively find who's been dabbling with who who's been studying with who of course everybody knows the led zeppelin uh jimmy page lives in you know the castle forget what starts with a b but alistair crowley's old home which i think is now dead but he also has the largest collection of austin osmond's spare uh paintings and the sigils i mean zos you know zos kia so it's fun to like retroactively find these seeds to me it's weirder when they're out with it and up front with it um so yeah and, and i'm that just brought to my mind with bowie and low uh lord like the thin white duke when right yeah when he was going through station to station when he was very apparent about his Crowleyisms and stuff but anyways it's exciting uh, about john keats and his love affair with fanny directed by jane oh that's a movie bright star
1: Were you looking for the well check it house? out
0: it, start, it starts with a b the
1: Bolskin?
0: yeah bolskin house. house yeah uh the alchemical arts can you explain your daily body drawing practice i am still musing over what kind of link to make you for it oh you're talking about my sigilism work um yeah okay uh so I have a pretty intensive morning ritual. I use a lot of different tactics. Uh when I was saying like a potpourri of different recipes, I wasn't lying. But these aren't these are more tuning exercises. And so what what happens is sigilism has always been a part of that. I've always created sigils for things and then oops. And then of course, you know, it got into sigils being hyper sigils and like records and and stories and and stuff but i always kind of tune myself back down to symbols like like the austin osman spare style of symbol and uh part of the ritual at the end in front of the altar uh going through a bunch of other stuff i draw the sigils that i think will i need to most focus on throughout the day on my hand i've actually just started Drawing them on my wrist because my hand has been getting so black from Sharpie and stuff that I'm well, let's I'm just moving it.
1: The real reason,
0: right? What's the real reason?
1: Oh, where the ink ends up.
0: Oh yes, and also <laughs> the ink ends up all over the bed. Like I've ruined so many sheets from all my sigils on my hands. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so I. I I've been experimenting, being a little more intentful with what I draw them with, um, and trying to find one that's good for the skin, good for the bed, and uh, you know. Also, I, I've tried to do acrylic, which is dumb because obviously, but I thought it would flake off fine. And there's something about when a sigil's charged with ac- acrylic, it'll it'll flake off. You know, it's like combustible, and I love that idea. So, trying to find something. That I can draw, cast on my skin uh, to just imprint it in my subconscious every morning. Help me anchor myself throughout the day. But allow it to leave, you know, as the day grows older would be amazing. And so if there's anybody that can do a awesome alchemical concoction, Jeremy, it's you, buddy. Um but yeah, what was it uh, what else? Yeah, I guess that's pretty much that's the sigil thing. I will formulate something. Yes, thanks, man. It's amazing. I hope you guys are follow following the alchemical arts uh YouTube channel. It's true alchemy. It is it's brilliant. He creates his own pigments, colors, uh talisman. Um, And it's just it's so fascinating to watch and so without the pizzazz of the art stuff, you know, like he's actually creating things to be used. And I think that's so brilliant when you get into the intention of what you're using. Like I was talking about earlier, trying to be intentful about what I'm drawing on my body as much as what I'm drawing it with. And so he's going to the source and it's a it's a brilliant channel. Everyone should subscribe. That's a nice effect concept—the ink staying on your hands then leaving. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was trying acrylic with it, like I said, because it'd flake off. But it was—it got—it was just too messy. So it's a process. I mean, like any any praxis, right? I gotta, gotta keep fine tuning the recipe. Um, Oswald says, "Does Denver, Portland?" Oregon, Albuquerque <laughs> have the strongest magical. Oh, okay. Oh, Does Denver, Portland or that. Albuquerque, I like how you spelled that, have the strongest magical aura? So we were just talking about this. We just took a walk earlier and we were, we were comparing kind of the atmosphere and the attitudes just that are thick in the air in different places. And with Portland, there's like a, a tinge of pretension. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just, it seems like it's gotten to a place where people are being weird for the sake of being weird. And it's pretty noticeable. I think they really run with that flag, you know, keep Portland weird. And and it's already got this really dark, ominous tone. It's got a real crooked history. Um, it's got, you know, just a magnetically beautiful but gloomy uh, climate. Um so it doesn't need to be weird. On top of that, it's it's beautifully strange and haunted. Otherwise, um, Albuquerque. I'll just jump to that. Albuquerque was. Uh, so like growing up there, there's there's a lot of just it's. I mean, fifty million times more diverse than Portland will ever be. So there's that, and with that, you just you have just a smorgasbord of different cultures, um, especially in the Native American and Hispanic communities, and they just, everything, everything, from the sigil of the Zia on the flag for New Mexico. I mean, New Mexico is just rife. And to me, it's like, you know, I, I'm reared in the desert. I grew up in the desert. The desert's a part of me deeply, and so I'll always have that... Um, ethereal sense about it. And Denver is like that too. Denver is, you know, practically the Southwest and it's got, you know, the frontiering mystic West thing. Um, it's been beautiful here, but it's also very uh, usual in a way. They've got a lot of uh, people that are more interested in, you know, health and sports. <laughs> so... um but as far as, like, the architecture and the atmosphere and the area, yeah, you just can't shake it in the desert. And being a mile high, a mile closer to the sun, it's it has a beautiful and benevolent weirdness to it. What crooked pass in Portland, I am curious. So Portland, uh, everything from Shanghai, I don't know if you've ever heard that, um, that term. But it was, you know, a logging town and it was a it was a pretty crooked port in the logging industry way back in the day. And they have tunnels where they used to smuggle, drug and smuggle people into slave labor. And Portland has kind of kept that torch. It is a very bad human trafficking uh, area. And uh, the white supremacy is through the roof. Like um, it, it used to be it was like the first city to knowingly elect a mob official um on its or as its mayor and it uh, there's a book great book called portland confidential check it out it's about the twistedness that is portland oregon I'm not saying that's what it is now and as a matter of fact portland's really fighting that history so i'll give that to them but um yeah there's it's white supremacy runs rampant it's just not as diverse um, as I think, would be healthy for a place that magnetic, if that makes sense. All right, trying to see what else up in the thing. Did I miss any questions? Do you ever draw sigils in dirt on the earth? Yes, Baz. Yes, I do very much so, uh, especially in dirt. Like I was just saying, you know, reared in the desert, like sand casting is what we used to call it as kids. Uh, knowing that like a monsoon or just uh, the earth would just wash it away that was a my biggest um, inspiration came to sigils when i first started because you know they talk about they talk about them combusting like in your subconscious and outside and um, i've always used the earth in some way or another so yeah uh, sand casting as our joking term when we were kids but um yeah uh the ritual i kind of hinted at in under the eclipse in 2017 that totally eclipse in oregon i i i'm like reticent to talk about cuz it's like if i if i told you exactly what i did you'd be like are you fucking crazy like you're dealing with like eight different machine guns with one thumb you know and uh but part of that yes was like etching um, a sigil into a living thing, into a living tree. Not, I didn't kill anything. <laughs> was like, Ugh, that would have been bad. No, but uh, yeah, etching into living things, I, I I believe that it hurts the thing, but there was a part of me at that time, and I still agree with this to a degree, that sacrifice is like something that is par for the course. And I don't mean like, human sacrifice like you know not to get ridiculous but i think etching in the atmosphere around you that kind of gives up a little bit of itself you know was a big thing about it though i'm trying to be very careful because um i don't really operate like that anymore uh although i do draw on everything so (laughs) anything else
1: friend Nish
0: is here. Yay, Nish, how are you? <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Thank you, guys.
1: It is cozy. Do they see Zara taking a nap back
0: here? Oh, yeah, do you guys see our dog sleeping?
1: He's the cutest.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, so, Alchemical Arts, do you use your imagination for the sigil design, or do you have reference books? Oh, so no reference books. Yeah, absolutely imagination. I'm always weary about, um, you know, I used to kind of combine, there's that great book on symbols. I read um, this one. Yeah. I forget the author. You know, the book of signs. It's like classic. Um, and I used to kind of draw from my own, you know, you, you do the process of creating the sigil, but it would be artistically uh, unique to me. And then my favorite part was referencing it in the book of signs. And seeing if I like tuned in to any kind of universal aspect of what the symbols mean, but no, I don't. I don't reference anything. Um, maybe I should. That's not a bad idea. I'm always looking to change and do be weird. So that's not a bad idea. Uh, are you cool with like taking previous kind of symbols and mixing them together? I've not tried that yet. I just wonder if that's something that uh works well.
1: I like this because well it's fun to see if there's any like connections between the the ones you create and like to find the synchronicities right. between what if there's any meanings in there that already exist. Right, yeah.
0: That's where it's kinda of fun. That's yeah, totally. That's what I was just saying. It's really it's it goes back to what I was talking about um in my audiomancy kind of rituals and then Uh, being presented either from my higher self subconscious, neither, neither, whatever but being presented with uh, uh, things (laughs) that's as intellectual as I can get with it but presented with creatures, ideas all of that only to find later in my research that I was tapping into something I already uh, I I just witnessed so uh, Amanda Pomander, I painted a beautiful sigil for a loved one to help alcoholism. Charged the shit out of it, and it worked 33 moons later. Ooh. 13. Oh, 13. Um, I love that. Uh, You're right back to where I, w- I was talking about what how magic took me out of um, self-sabotaging or kind of dark behavior. And I love that when you do it for other people. I've I've done that many times. There was a time where I uh, kind of had a clinic almost of helping friends that were in troubled times, and this is within we the hallowed. We I would take them through that like Grant Morrison disinfo process of creating a symbol because I feel like that's like the easiest um, way to show someone or to uh, introduce them to that, and so. It would always be. I love that. I love, like, creating for somebody else. I think that's super important. I think it's beautiful. And uh, if they know it or not, you know, I wonder if your friend was there with you and knew it. But I'd love to hear more about that. I sometimes surround the sigil in a heart or a star flower. Okay, yeah, so good. You're using, like, previously understood symbols to kind of, you're tapping into the the, uh, archetypal Idea of sigils or symbols. Ooh. I should do that. I like this one. I should do is that. Is
1: clothing a way of stimulating a magical intent?
0: Yeah, so uh, she just read, I don't know if you guys can hear her. Probably not. Um, <laughs> is clothing a way of, of stimulating a magical intent? Absolutely. Um, I think intent is through and through. I'm one of those people, as an artist or as otherwise, that I want to be, I want to represent myself. To strangers or to foreign things, as I see myself, and a lot of that, yeah, aesthetically comes down to to clothes. You know, I don't mean like I'm a fashionista, but I I put I put just as much interest and care about what my you know beingness is shown to other folks as I would you know the same intent uh, any part of a ritual. And we I, we don't talk about that enough, I think. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of... Um, it's, it's hard because people, I think, seldom think of it as something as intentional or uh, worthy of focus. You know, you hear all the time, I don't want to think about what I'm wearing because I just want to get to the thing that matters. But I think being intentful about all those steps up to the thing that matters, that's the fucking praxis. That's the magical praxis. And, you know, as somebody that creates under different pseudonyms or avatars, I hate to use that word, but we'll just say a different pseudonyms, different characters. Uh, like Dakota Slim. He, he's grown into this, for me, like this folkloric, mythic West kind of figure. And he's kind of time displaced, jumping through the bardos, and I think a lot of that, I bring that into who I want to represent when I wear something. So, just an example. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Niece can hear Mary. Right Yay. You
1: look like a cross between Adam and boy George.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I look like a cross between Adam Aunt, and Boyd. Who said that? Baz, who said that? Baz. Damn it, Baz. No. <laughs> I'll take it. That's, yeah, that's, I I guess I do look a bit flamboyant, huh? All right, well. Uh, Yeah. uh, Jared
1: Hunter's personal choice of mine to always wear black, white, or red for alchemical residence.
0: Yeah, I take that. I think, um, me too. I keep it at a scale, uh, a weird color schema, um, for me. Um, she likes red, I don't do red, but, um, (laughs) uh,
1: how did we end up
0: together? I know. Well, that's exactly why. It's like antithetical in a way. But uh, to bring back to like the clothes thing, you know, I think that I'm one of the, I have a hard time trusting, you know, um, an artist that doesn't represent themselves at all times. And sometimes you're going to fumble. Sometimes you're going to look like Boar George and Adam Ant, you know, can't <laughs> all be winners. Um and other times, you know, you look like a dashing uh mage on the prowl. So I don't know. Oh my apologies. <laughs> it had uh let's see. Amanda Pum let's see. Alchemical alright, so use a combination of traditional alchemical symbols and my own, but I am still working out where I'm most comfortable. Yeah, and I think uh yeah, I think you know, that's probably to the practitioner. I honestly um I think why I got into the occult or why, why metaphysics and magic uh, came to me in a way was an outsider syndrome, was uh, kind of feeling cast out in a way. And so I think probably regrettably my initial reaction to using other things is feeling like I'm subscribing to something else. And I know that's bullshit. I know it's just a knee-jerk you know, reaction that I have. It's almost like, it's like childish. Um, so I'm working through that. But I would love to get into working more with uh, ar- archetypal symbols, for sure. <laughs> All right, let's see. was saying something about a specific tarot deck. Tarot of, of the Holy Light? Huh. Tarot of the Holy Light. In, no, I don't know. In that.
1: regards to something, I think I should put my glasses on and then I could actually be of
0: help to you. But. I'll take the Jarvis Cocker, Baz. I'll take the Jarvis Cocker. Um, let's see. She, uh, so Nish brought up a tarot deck, but that reminds me. I wanted to do kind of a live reading with the Disruption Generator. Um. <laughs> but uh she's laughing. No, I'm, I'm Some set her off. No,
1: we're good.
0: <laughs> um I yeah, I wanted to use so the disruption generator was put out by We the Hallowed, the art collective that I blabbed on about in the beginning. Um and it's a bibliomantic book full of like 160 components that were ran they were so Eric Millar the creator on wethehallowed.org For as many days as there are components, he would generate a random word, and then he would illustrate that word. And he created his own oracle doing that. And it's like a... It's insane. Like, it it has been uh, (laughs) truly uh, revealing for me. And I don't know if some of you guys know this, but here is the Disruption Generator. And... I thought we could kind of fumble around, maybe check out what it has to say. Oh, Amanda Poner says, f- "Oh, holy light." Mm-hmm. Okay. I uh, I swear by the um, the Golden Dawn tarot from like the seventies. It's like a uh, low Scarabero kind of deck. It looks really metal. That's pretty cool. I'm we'll gonna break it out, but. Yeah, let's just do this. Ha! And sometimes you'll get a reading like this Deer. And deer, his definition is graceful, swift, or elusive. Now, I'm neither graceful nor swift, so we'll just go with the elusive part of this. Um but you can check out we the dot org or the disruption dot com. Here I'll give you a good you guys a view here. So this is the disruption generator dot com. You can check out the book um and read all the components. I I absolutely love this thing. It's one of my favorite things we did this last year. And by we I mean I didn't do shit. Uh Eric Millar created his own oracle and it's it's just brilliant to me. Um but anyways, enough of that. Okay,
1: here's another um question that's hard. <laughs> this guy has big words. <laughs> <laughs> Do words born of an internal gloss- glossolalia.
0: Glossolalia. Have- yeah, it's like speaking in tongues. Glossolalia. Yes. Uh glossolalia uh specifically too. Um How I write music a lot of times, especially within the audiomancy stuff, is I'll record myself in a dimming session, as I call it, a dimming session, and I will just chant gibberish. And a lot of the times, I can retrofit what I'm saying as I make out the phonetics and everything. Yes, I think uh, glossolalia is like subconscious, you know, vomit. And I think it really works artistically sometimes, especially when it comes to writing lyrics um, or any of the above. That's a great question. I love glossolalia. I love that it's unique to everyone. There is no sequence or symptom or language that is shared between two people when they speak glossolalia. And I think that is fucking fascinating. And uh, no matter what the evangelicals will try to tell you, You know, it's the angels' language, and it probably is the angels' language, but I think it's supremely unique, wholly um, individualized, and just really pretty when it's not like, you know. But maybe
1: that's pretty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Yeah, Idiolex. Yeah. I was not expecting to be so taken by it as a 40-year-old reader. Oh, you guys are talking about that Holy Light deck. i got to check it out. Send me a link. Because I can do that now in real time. Um, let's see. Derek, the three books I almost have. Oh, you guys are on so another happy. one. Do y'all read John Michael Greer? Yeah. So, um, I actually personally I I mean I know of him. He uh studied I think Eric Arneson of Arnomancy, like lived next door to him or studied under him for a bit. So he's he's like always in my peripheral. I have yet to really dive into him, but you should check out Arnomancy podcast, I think. He's he's the he's the go to guy for like the 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 in the thick book. Kind of, you know, information stuff. So, he's he's a wonderful resource to have. Yeah, JMG lived in Ashland. Yeah, I think that's where um Eric Arneson's from. So, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> <No> <laughs> she's just no staring else was it
1: at me. <laughs>
0: Well, let's see, what time is it? How how have we been doing? About an hour?
1: Are people bored yet?
0: Yeah, you guys bored yet? Uh, oh, we can talk about Ashland. I had a friend that just moved from Ashland. Uh, he told me it, it was rough. <laughs> I guess like Medford area anyway. But, uh, yeah.
1: What's, what are we missing about?
0: Yeah, what did I not talk about? Um, oh, I thought it'd be a good time. Well, everyone that's in the chat here are all people that I want to collaborate with or I want to have uh, participate within We The Hallowed, especially wethehallowed.org. Um, it's been like the tie that binds when it comes to international media magics. And so I would love it if you guys in the chant all submitted things, uh, wrote things. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, just be a part of it. I think that's the greatest part. I'll show you what kind of it looks like. Um, so this is the website. We just had Sarath the Mage put his first cut up on there. Uh, if you look at the artists, we got a lot. Ooh. That's an old picture of contributors. That's how we first started. That's where we came from. Just a couple of weirdo mages. Um, but yeah, if you check out you know, Alex Ballin, Book of Beasts, practically all of my gifted brethren uh, that I know personally have come and gone through its confines. We put together a literary journal. Uh, we call it a zine, but it's really lit- thicker than that. Um, And we had, it's on Amazon, you can find it. It's called the Libra Your Sotros. This is something I want to get back into. I want to do more of these. These were supposed to be like bi-monthly, not bi-monthly, every two months. And these were uh, supposed to be just kind of keeping up and understanding how us disparate artists kind of find what I call the constants or the common ground. And so you'd have everything from interviews with You know paranormal detectives to you know audiomancy articles to art to all that and that said niche i really want to do the other aspect of this which is the music stuff and we put out a compilation a couple years ago uh with bands and samples uh cut to a audiomantic kind of class so um if you guys Please uh, just be a part of it, you know, Um, submit. I'll publish it. I love it. I trust everyone equally. (laughs) I don't I don't care what it is. I just love being a part or having a hub, a, you know, a custom kind of hub where it's a bunch of disparate art that's only tied together by, you know, metaphysical musings. Speaking of which, people aren't bored. No. Some questions
1: about your upcoming <coughs> album.
0: Oh yeah. That Me too.
1: Been coming to fruition from Derek Hunter. Oh hey, can you talk about your new album you are working on? Sure. And uh, I guess previously was asking what is the motivation for
0: the mission? Okay, so. The last album I did, Cactus Crown, you'll see the cover in this like, little slideshow next to me, um, was done because of that eclipse ritual. And with audiomancy uh, rituals, I like call dims, um, I created this little hyper sigil, and that was the last album. There's been a lot of life change, a lot of media uh, done outside of music, and so now I'm getting back into that. We uh, yesterday we just worked on a song. We're, we're doing stuff together, me and Mary. Um, I've got big plans as far as like a concept album with more audiomancy, but it's also going to tie into this book I've been writing about Dakota Slim, about Dakota Slim punching his way through the Bardo's of the afterlife, time hopping. You know, it's uh, it's kind of pulpy, and so I'm working finalizing an album to match with the chapters which was always the plan not unlike uh i'm work. i'm finishing a comic finally it's just like um it's it's so i was in a group called spare spells and i wrote and recorded this record i was pretty proud of uh, a couple years ago right before the uh the eclipse ritual which just exploded everything um but that record was work was supposed to come out in conjunction with a comic book, and now we're in a place where I'm so removed from it, I'm so removed from the burning down of those connections, of of you know Portland, of all of that, that we're gonna finish the comic book, and we've been working really hard on it, and I'm really excited about it. It's called The Narrows, and it's loosely based on Portland, Oregon, and uh, my metaphysical uh, shenanigans as a ruffian out there so uh, but the book I'm writing right now and that's kind of my big 2020 thing is called Zozobra which I'm sure some of you might know is the name of the festival that happens at the Fiesta de Santa Fe in New Mexico it's kind of the progenitor of Burning Man uh, but a bit more religious and cultural and uh, it's kind of using that uh, metaphor throughout the entire story of Rebirth and music. I'm, I'm calling it the death of Dakota Slim, basically. So this might be my last Dakota Slim record that I'm working on. Um, or it'll just not be, because it never seems to die. Uh, <laughs> but Mary and I have got a lot of stuff cooking right now. She's an incredible artist. Uh, go to SoundCloud, look up Moon Division, you listen to, to her music. Do do? It's brilliant. <laughs> Moon Division... Really great stuff. Um, Santa Fe will always have a piece of my heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, I'd still go to Burning Man if I got the chance, but it's pretty much ruined by corporate sponsorship now. Yeah, that's what I ascertained. I had never gone, but by the time I was kind of, you know, interested in hearing friends that have gone, actually had really transcendental experiences and, like, really wonderful experiences. It was always kinda hogtied with the corporatization of, of anything. Like anything good, right? Anything good. So um, Zizobra is a really back to the roots. A lot less, um, it's, yeah, it's more cultural. It's more Zuni Anasazi. It's more Navajo. It's more a collection of traditions coming together to burn an effigy that they call Old Man Gloom. Zazobra is anxiety in Spanish. And uh, it's kind of about releasing all the tensions of the year. So basically, what Burning Man kind of started as. Mary McKeever, would you link to the SoundCloud, please?
1: Fine, I will. She
0: should. (laughs) Uh, Where did turtles come from?
1: I don't know. There's someone (laughs) that joined that's called Seven Turtles.
0: Ooh. It's exciting. I so more about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You know, I just went through, as some of you may know, I just went through like a pretty shitty back injury. We just relocated from Portland to Denver. Um, so, it's about finding my footing these past couple of months and lifting myself up in a way, getting back to my magical praxis, getting back to the plethora of, you know, creative aspects. Uh, A lot of writing has been done. A lot of writing will continue to be done. But we're going to have an album out this year, in 2020. I'm going to finish that book, I swear to God. And uh, a comic book as well. Yeah, if it's the last thing I write, that's going to be it. Well, I
1: wish other people could talk.
0: I know. Uh, <laughs> next time I'll get a Zoom thing figured out. I have I just like learned all of this stuff today, pretty much, and uh, I'll get a Zoom thing figured out, and I'll have more more of you guys join and talk. Um, if there's any last minute questions, please shoot them my way. Otherwise, come
1: on, you could talk about yourself for
0: uh, longer. I could. I just. <laughs> how do you guys feel? Well, what's everybody? <laughs> It's everybody's stasis. You
1: explain to me about what today is? Turtles all the way
0: down. Yeah, Turtles. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, what is this? Could, could you explain what today is, the 2nd of February?
0: Oh, yeah. So Mary was just asking what the si- significance of today was. Um, and it's the palindrome date, which zero two zero two twenty twenty is the same backwards. And it's the first, uh, Oswald was, mm. he gave the specifics here in the, early in the chat see he said uh oh wait it's not that old um also it had like the exact it's been like so like a hundred years since the last one and it'll be like a however long since the next one super rare That's cool. uh this is not my intention i'd like to stumble in to metaphysical uh goodness so it's really cool that it just it happened to be a palindrome date. And I hope everyone is... Oh, James Joyce's birthday, obviously. Uh, but I hope everyone is just having a fucking time. Because quiet is good. Exciting is good. I think being merry, maybe being with Mary, is the best. So. Yes, here we go. Oswald says, it's been 909 years since the last one. And 101 until the next one. And it's also James Joyce's birthday.
1: Damn.
0: That's cool. All right. Hopefully, Mary will get you that link. Um, please check out wethahallowed.org. You guys are all creative, wonderful people. Yeah. Submit articles. You know, do whatever you like. Just reach out to me. We'll get you set up if you want an outlet to just be weird. Um, Yeah, I'd love that. Um, uh, What else? Yeah, pragmagic.com. You can find all the old episodes. I've got some pretty cool interviews lined up for the next couple of weeks. I know Thomas Sheridan is one of them. So that'll be a very interesting chat. I know we were going to talk more deeply about the kind of psychological ramifications of hexing. Uh, which I don't think is, which I think is seldom talked about. So that's going to be a neat one. And then, um, yeah, I've got some other kind of recurring um, episodic things planned. Another audiomancy episode. Hopefully, some more videos. And definitely some more live streams. I think I would love to do this weekly if I could, but maybe every two weeks. I have no idea. If anyone has a better estimate on a good time. To log these things, so I'm not stepping on any other streamer's toes. Let me know. Oh, Jerry Cthulhu asked, "Why am I not a mod?" That you're absolutely right. <laughs> Sorry. You are now a mod. Uh let's see. Nailed my clothing magics today. Mary There's says. Said I
1: look like a cowboy, which. Straight up. And that's what I was going. For. That's what we live no. like now. <laughs>
0: you um, <are> fucking <laughs> not Wednesdays, Jerry says. I I know that I know. Isn't there a Tuesday one too? I'm not supposed to do. Someone's on Tuesday. All right. Yeah. This has been such a joy. I've never gotten to. Just gab and talk in a live space, and a combustible space. Thank you guys so much. Jerry asked, how's that snow? Okay, so today was 75 degrees. (laughs) Warm, beautiful. She was out in shorts. I was in black pants, as I always am. But it was a wonderful, hot, almost summer-like day. And tonight at 4, we're going to have a blizzard. And so Tuesday is supposed to be... 20 degrees um so take with that as you will i you know i'm bipolar the weather's bipolar everyone's living in harmony some way <clears throat>
1: how do you make somebody a moderator
0: i just didn't oh, right click on it yeah, i know make Nisha mod too yes you're absolutely right do you stay um mods for every live stream now that i've made you guys mods is that how it works Oh shit, yeah. Oh, it's like living cool. in Chicago, yeah. Cool. So now you guys are all mods. I love that. Oh, I should probably make Mary a mod, huh? Gee. <laughs> <laughs> um. If you guys have any um, any more questions, please shoot them my way. Otherwise, we'll just kind of wind down here. I have a question. Mary's got a question.
1: Well, I was wondering. Well, like my mom does a sigil for every new year. Yeah. Does anybody, where she takes the, like, 2020, the numbers, and meshes them into a symbol? Does anybody else do, that's here, have a similar practice?
0: For, like, or yearly? Like
1: intention for the new year? Yeah. Like I have monas
0: that. That's a good question. I think, you know, um,. Incorporating sigils with holidays is is a big deal. Holidays are, like, ingrained in our brains. So, we have... Will
1: you hold this up so they can see? Oh, yeah.
0: This is her mom's sigil for 2020.
1: She does does this every year. And if you flip it upside down, it's a...
0: It's a palindrome.
1: (laughs) Or an octopus. I
0: don't know if it's... Oh, yeah. Or an octopus. (laughs) Right?
1: That made me think Uh,
0: of But, yeah, what I was saying was, you know, I think it's important... um, kind of sequence with holidays, especially ones that have been ingrained in you since you were a kid. It's, you can't help but put all the celestial baggage on holidays like New Year's or even Christmas. You know, pagans be mad. But, um, do yeah. We, do we
1: agree with Thomas Sheridan about Wiccanism being dead?
0: Um, like, okay, that's a good question uh like legitimate wiccanism uh because I, or is it like because like he or wiccanism is just so inundated like commercialized now like the gardener stuff it's just it's just kind of ridiculous is that what you mean Anyways, Jerry, thank you for stopping by. I don't know what, what they mean. appreciate you. Can't wait to actually talk to you on a show. Um, but anyways, yeah, about Wiccanism being dead. Oh, yes. I feel like Wiccanism is so specific in the sense of, I think it would be more of a, uh emblematic thing if he meant like, you know something a bit broader, but since it's so it's so specific, I don't think so. I think Barnes and Noble still exists, right? Wiccanism is still gonna have its day, and it's gonna touch the lives and wonders of you know Midwest young kids all over. And I think it's a good gateway. Um, but yeah, I don't think it survives much beyond that. And if it does, uh, I don't think there's a lot of room to grow within it. It's less legit than modern neo-pag. Yes, I agree. That's what I was saying. Instagram
1: witches aren't real witches. Right.
0: <laughs> Don't get me started. No, I love that. Yeah, we talk about that all the time, Oswald. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, you'll find it in the podcast game, too. <clears throat> podcast game, too.
1: But actually, I've got to agree. Where I see it still connecting is with... Um some of the students that I teach, like right. the kiddos, recognize and can, can connect with those basic concepts tying to nature, right? And all of that—it's it's really interesting. Yeah, making a
0: career. Uh, yeah, my, my Wiccan rituals from thirty years ago are still resonating in the universe. <laughs> yeah, and I think because you know there's like a big—it's—it was—it's—it's uh, it's charged and it's charged by so many people it's a it's a big deal for some i just don't think to me i i kind of subverted it i never needed the wiccan thing and it's always it always kind of seemed i don't want to be insulting because i think every everything has its place but it it just wasn't for me i kind of jumped right over that but i don't think wiccanism's dead i think if you mean like it should be that's one thing but I think it's still going pretty strong. I think it's as fervent as ever. And I think it does give something to, you know, kids that are a bit more uh, culturally excluded uh, because it's so easily found, so, like, easily uh, ascertained. So, I don't know.
1: But what's so wrong with it, I guess? is Maybe I need to learn,
0: read more. <laughs> but, yes, the Instagram shit, it's just... You know, I talked to Carl Abrahamson about this. Um, I was internalizing a lot, especially kind of midway through this whole podcast journey and being a part of general culture and uh, meeting a lot of folks but getting brushed up with the negative aspects like the guru culture, the uh, paying for ascension shit, and uh, the Instagram witches. (laughs) So it's all, (laughs) they're all roadblocks, you know, on the way. But at the same time, uh, everyone's got the tools. Everyone's ready and able if they want to be. And I think that if people find solace and making money, you know, doing that, it's not going to work out for them uh, that well. And if it does, it's so vapid that who gives a shit. So, yeah, don't get this started. I know we talk about this pretty heavily. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite Podcast episodes ever is with Nish. We actually titled it titled it facsimiles because we we're talking about kind of the fraudulent facades of you know modern day guru culture practitioners. And it's a bound, man. It's uh it's a bound, it's unshakable. Um you know, like anything, it it tips the scale, you hit the zeitgeist, like the occult is so popular now aesthetically, that you're gonna have a lot of bad bad magic. And uh, that's just the weight of the world. It's, uh, I've, I do see a fade kind of dying down. If you don't continuously buckle under um, self, you know, I hate to use the word mastery, but if you don't continuously buckle under uh, like being a perennial student and trying and not being satisfied, if you continue to be satisfied with something, you're going to end that thing. And I think the biggest point with me is no one knows any everything. And yeah, I can go on about this. But I think at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is when it's a costume and that it's an aesthetic only and it's a monetary thing without it being humble or humiliated, it's not worth your time. True
1: that.
0: Yeah. And uh, C.W. Chanter, I'll just leave with this: had a great live stream a couple weeks ago, talking about ascension courses. And I, how I introduced myself to him is I wrote him uh, a message, and was just like, "This, you know, you've said all the things we've been trying to say forever." And that's that. Everything's at your fingertips. Beware of just curators, because everyone's just a fucking curator. That's really all they are, you know. Um unless you're a perennial student and you got no business teaching anything. But I'll leave it with that. Hey, you guys have been so wonderful. Thank you for slithering, hithering, and uh, we'll keep the show on the road. like converse with me, text me uh, or email me, you know, Do whatever it is that keeps this relationship emboldened because i love this this was my biggest resolution was meeting and emboldening old relationships and i love this here's another opportunity to do that um thank you guys i am off to cook dinner love you jeremy thank you derek uh thank you nish always always baz love you oswald jerry una um if i'm forgetting anyone i apologize Sorry, turtles. <laughs> um, I, I, you have no idea what this means to me. You know, ten current viewers, but ten all people that I admire, enjoy, and want to talk to. That that could be worth a million. So I appreciate you. Um, I love you, and as we say in We the Hallowed, because nothing, there's no point of immortality without the idea of creation, and then it's to haunt on. So. Love you guys. Be real. Be real. Be real. (laughs)